on y'all welcome back to the cold seat podcast where the seats are cold but the takes are hot got a normal episode coming at you today got a couple news kind of pieces in the nba and the mlb and then we'll get right into the nfl action giving a divisional recap of the afc and nfc games and then we'll get the kind of the overview of what we think is going to happen next weekend the division the AFC and NFC conference championship games, and then eventually we'll give our takes on what we think the Super Bowl matchup will be. Obviously, we'll reset that again next week, following the conference championship games next week. Um, then we'll also get into some important NFL offseason dates, as you know, 28 of 32 teams have uh, hit the offseason already. So um, we'll kind of give an overview of the important dates with most teams kind of getting covered there. Um, we've got a whole laundry list of dates here, which we're going to get to and get really excited about. Um, but I'll kick it off with the little bit of NBA news we have today. Um, the Los Angeles Lakers traded Kendrick Nunn and three second-round picks in exchange for Wizards forward Rui Hachimura. Um, I mean, Rob Polinka had to do something. It felt like uh, LeBron was really frustrated, even with you know them winning 19 on the last four or nine out of the last 14 without AD. Um, you know, he'd been frustrated. Was quoted in um, after the after one of the games that they lost a tight one. Um, I think he put up you know probably a triple double or close to it. Um, and he was quoted kind of using some expletive, just kind of letting out his frustration kind of in the background. And a couple of reporters had picked it up and um, kind of got kind of ran away with it a little bit. But um, I mean, a, a, like I said, a movie felt like Palenka had to make to just to get another contributor um, and a guy who was going to you know give you quality minutes like night in and night out in Rui Hachimura and, and got rid of a guy in Kendrick Nunn who they were kind of looking to get rid of, um, kind of try to offload a little bit of that salary and just a guy who they you know really wasn't getting a lot of minutes and a lot of you know, solid PT for him. Um, and then three second round picks. I mean, rarely do second round picks ever pan out in the NBA. It's not, it's not like the NFL where those picks held a ton of value. Um, but again, not, not a ton on the NBA front since we kind of gave an update last week on the standings. Don't want to bore you guys to death too much with a hammer in the standings every week. I mean, you know, teams play four to set four to six games every week. It's not like the, the standings will change that much. So we'll probably hit them every other week on standings updates. Um, and then we'll start giving stats updates. Well, maybe once the NFL season kind of dies out a little bit, when I need some more content, we'll throw some stats updates in there at you guys. But um, that was all for the NBA, just that right now. Um, not a lot going on right now. Obviously, it'll got, probably get pretty um, pretty heated up towards the trade deadline here pretty soon, which I don't remember the date, and I can look at it real quick. But um, probably get some more NBA, NBA news around then, but um, that's kind of kind of it for the NBA. Yeah, I honestly thought that deal. Uh, it seems like the first trade we had this year, honestly. Unless I'm forgetting one. Uh, I thought it was a good trade for both teams. You know, Hachimura was really looking to move on. And I think the Lakers got themselves, you know, a catch and shoot um, success, high success shooter that they were kind of looking for to maybe spark something for him. Um, like I saw something he was shooting like 41.3% um, like catch and shoot threes. And no Laker was shooting over 40%. Um, and Hachimura was also like top seven in attempts taken. Uh, in the catch and shoot threes. So uh, overall, good trade for them. The three seconds, it was a 2023 second from Chicago. Um, the Lakers, their own 2029 second. And then a pick swap in 2028. Uh, whatever pick is better will go to Washington. And then Kendrick Nunn, like you said, going back to the Wizards isn't bad. Um, you know, him and Kuzma, I think, will be able to help. Um, as you know, the Wizards are kind of finding their stride. And just looking for, you know, pieces that they can keep, um, you know, not have as much turnover. But that's pretty much it for the NBA. Like you said, we did a standings update last week. Not a lot's changed in the few games that teams have played. Um, so we're going to hit that every other week. But, yeah, moving on to MLB here before we 
you know, pretty much hit NFL for the rest of the episode. Uh, Angels owner Art Moreno has announced that the ownership will no longer be looking to sell the team or sell the franchise earlier today. I know that was up in the air and a uh, topic for discussion around the MLB um, pretty frequent uh, recently. And he shut down, shut that down and just said, you know, he's going to stay, going to keep the ownership. And, you know, as they have two big pieces on their team, that was obviously a pretty polarizing topic. Yeah. um, I think Angels fans are really upset. I know most of them don't like Art Moreno and the Moreno family that kind of has owned that team for um, really the entirety of the Mike Trout era and now into the Shohei Otani era. Um, Interesting move. Obviously comes at an interesting time for them in a highly contested um, just kind of time with the team with Shohei being a free agent this next offseason and um, the large speculation that he's going to go elsewhere. Um, any even bigger speculations, he's just going to go across town to, to the Dodgers, which um, I know would be a huge blow, not only for the Angels, you know, franchise, but the fan base as well. Um, it just, I, I don't know if that's the, the right move for them um, and just kind of the overall, the well-being of the franchise. Obviously, the family doesn't want to sell the team, but um, I think from an outside looking in perspective, um, as a non-Angels fan, it just doesn't look like a good move. They've never been successful. Um, they've had the best the best player in baseball nearly every every season since Mike Trout got to the bigs, right? I mean, from what, year two, Mike Trout was the best player in baseball, and he's been the best player in baseball until now it's been Shohei. So um, to say to, you, you can confidently say that you've had the best player in the MLB for the last decade plus, um, and you haven't done – you have, what, zero playoff appearances to show for it. Um, I know baseball is a team game to the fullest extent. Um, you know, all nine, all nine hitters, pitcher, bullpen, all that stuff. But, I mean – the fact that they had that that much talent and they've brought in a lot of different talent, whether it was Albert Pujols or um, Rendon or whoever. I mean, they've brought in plenty of talent in the past. I mean, when they brought in Josh Hamilton, kind of coming off his his rehab stint, um, you know, they haven't had anything to show for it. So I, I don't think um, baseball fans are really happy to see this news. But again, um, not super surprising. Kind of the Moreno family had been known to be a little bit um, volatile with their decision making, but. Um, like you were saying, that kind of wraps up all the other non-football news. We're going to get pretty quick into it here, into the ML, MLB, uh, NFL divisional round recap, as well as looking forward to the championship games for each respective conference. Start out with the AFC on Saturday. The Jaguars um, went to the travel to Arrowhead to play the Chiefs and lost 20-27. to 27. Um, But the big storyline from that game is the Patrick Mahomes high ankle sprain. Um, looked like he was in quite a bit of pain, ended up playing through it. Only missed, I think, a drive or two. Um, Andy Reid showing why he's the best play caller and best offensive mind in football um, with the way he called that game, when he orchestrated the offense um, you know, from the sideline. And Travis Kelsey as well showing why he's um, maybe going to be one of the best to ever do it at tight end. And then Chiefs offensive line really stepped up, I thought, um, really really established the run game when Pat went out. Um, Isaiah Pacheco had a great game. Um, another just late-round steal they've had in the last couple of years that comes to mind, Trey Smith. Creed Humphrey being a late second rounder, um, now the best one of the best centers in football, and then now Isaiah Pacheco drafted in the seventh round is going to be a really good running back for them for a few years. So um, just an overall really gutsy win for the Chiefs, um, really without their leader. So um, like I said, hats off to Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, and that offensive line to kind of gut one out for him. Yeah, like you said, it was impressive. Um, when Patty had the injury, it was definitely confusing, or I guess not confusing, but it was interesting to see how they were going to go about the rest of the game, how that was going to change the play calling, how their overall approach on offense was going to shift at all. 
Um, and yeah, you see the first drive that pats out. Um, they Jags punt it down to the one, and then you see Chad Henney coming out. You're like, all right, they got to go 99 yards, and they did just that. They went 99 yards. Um, you know, I think the highlight of the drive was like a Pacheco 30-yard run off the left side. Um, but yeah, really impressive stuff from them. It was a pretty close game, honestly. Uh, most most of the game, you know, only a seven point difference, 27-20 for a final. Uh, the Jags found their stride a little bit in the second half. But yeah, I mean, the Mahomes thing was the big thing, uh, big takeaway of the game. He's probably going to play this week um, just due to the stakes and stuff like that. Obviously, he's going to be very hobbled, uh, probably won't be able to run at all. Might not be able to scramble too much, so going to be pretty much a pure pocket passer. It's going to be interesting to see how, um, if you weren't paying attention, uh, spoiler, how the Bengals are going to defend him differently. Um, You know, obviously they have Pacheco, who's a good running back, so it's going to be interesting. But nonetheless, I think... The Chiefs will be fine, even if Mahomes is hobbled. But, yeah, that game was good. Uh, that was a good game to kick off um, the AFC divisional round. And the next one, the next day on Sunday, we had the Bengals at the Bills. It was a 2 o'clock game, I believe. And the final was 27-10, to 10, Bengals on top. Um, the Bills just looked not really not good the entire game. Um, it just seemed like from the get-go – they were a little slow, um, just didn't seem like they wanted it as bad. And it's funny because all the rulings, you know, the coin flip and the neutral site games, none of those are actually happening, uh, the rulings that were made because of the DeMar Hamlin situation. Um, so, yeah, everything's going ahead as normal. The Bengals played well overall on all sides of the ball and came out with a 17-point win. You know, Buffalo's offense in Buffalo only scoring 10 points is definitely – Surprising, I think, to everybody. But yeah, should should make for a really fun conference championship game. Yeah, uh, I think you, you kind of watched that Bills game last week, and you know, man, they're they're in trouble if they come out and play flat again um, against the Cincinnati team. And frankly, they should have they should have lost to Skyler Thompson and Co. against Miami last week. Um, so I think I think it, you know, obviously that that play carried over to this week, and um, in what was really a non-competitive game for the most part for the Buffalo Bills, it felt like they would chip their way back into it, and then uh, you know the next drive, the Bengals would come out and score um, fairly quickly, and kind of punch back, and it just it never felt like the Bills could get off the mat per se. Um, again, they looked tired, they looked just not. I don't want to say they out of shape team. They just they didn't look like they were. Um, up to the occasion it felt like which was strange for that team um you know obviously there's gonna be a lot of discourse about what the bills should do i mean have they have they peaked like have the bills with this current roster have they peaked um and that's a conversation we i'm sure we'll get into in the offseason um obviously not time this this podcast isn't the time for that but certainly something we're gonna have to watch going into the offseason is you know what what do the bills do obviously stefan Diggs not happy after the game i think just a guy who doesn't handle losing well i think he's a, an ultimate competitor so obviously tough on him um I think the whole team is is reeling. I think um, you know a team that that really had Super Bowl aspirations, not just getting there but winning it, um, falling short in the divisional round, in the fashion in which they they fell short. Um, you know a lot of questions to be had in that in that front office this offseason. Um, I think there's gonna be some big changes. I think um, obviously you say it's hard to just blow it up, but again, the last three years you lose to KC in the conference championship game in 2020. 
21, you lose to them in overtime in the divisional, and now you lose to the Bengals in the divisional. So um, just don't know kind of where you go from here, and it's going to be a really interesting conversation kind of throughout the offseason. Um, so I guess it kind of takes us to the conference championship game for the AFC. Bengals traveling to Arrowhead next week. Cincinnati opens as a minus, minus one favorite. Uh, so you're really just picking a winner with that line um, Sunday at 530 on CBS. So, um, again, I, like we talked about, the, the big story is going to be Pat's injury and whether or not he is – Really good to go. I expect him really not to practice at all much this week, being a walking boot probably until Thursday. Um, get Friday and Saturday to kind of get out of the boot and see how he's feeling. Um, getting it, get in a brace, get taped up. Um, you know, so we'll see how he kind of responds and reacts. But um, I, I think he's going to play. I think he's going to be fine. Um, this Chiefs team feels kind of different this year. Um, again, less, less obviously less offensive talent, but the offensive line looks better than they did last year, especially right now. That run game's peaking. I think it's really hard to beat teams that have a peaking run game, um, you know, late, late in the playoffs, you know, late in January, kind of like what the Eagles have right now. So um, going to be a great game. I think I, I will probably pick the chiefs right now, barring some sort of like major setback, you know, Thursday or Friday for Pat and his health. Um, again, I just think w- what we saw from Andy Reed, um, quite frankly, the offense really didn't skip a beat. I mean, you know, they're not going to score every time they touch the ball. Um, but I mean, they, they kept rolling. So, um, as long as the offensive line keeps rolling the way they are, um, and the defense continues to just make timely plays, um, you know, I think it'll, I think it'll be, you know, kind of come up off chiefs and I'm looking for Chris Jones to have a big game this week against a, just, just kind of a, I don't want to say banged up because the guys who are in now for injury, for, you know, injury replacements have been, um, have played at the same level that the starters played at for the Bengals, but, um, just against an offensive line that isn't the best. Uh, I think you're looking for Chris Jones to have a big impact this week um, at home in Arrowhead. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that game. Uh, rematch from last year that the Bengals won, obviously. So it should be fun. Bengals favored by one right now. Has to Obviously, the Chiefs will be favored if Mahomes is fully healthy. But, yeah, it should be fun. I'm glad we don't have a neutral site game. That would be interesting. Um, glad it's in Arrowhead. You know, for what, fifth straight year? Seems like maybe fourth straight. Um, I don't know if five years ago it was in Foxborough or not. Um, but yeah, the later game on Sunday, championship Sunday next weekend. And then in about seven days, we'll know our Super Bowl matchup. Um, and obviously, after that, before the Super Bowl, we have the Pro Bowl, which we'll get to in a minute. We're really looking forward to this rematch. I think it's going to be a really good game. Uh, but we're going to shift on over to the NFC here. And, you know, looking back on this weekend, three of the four teams remaining in the NFC were from the same division. The NFC East uh, proved to be one of the most battle-tested divisions in all of football, if not the most. Um, You know, we had the Giants at Eagles to kick off the weekend on Saturday. Um, In Philly, you know, Giants had one there earlier this year, but Eagles took care of them 38-7. to You know, pretty bad game across the board for the Giants and a pretty solid game across the board for the Eagles, obviously. When you win by, you know, four scores, it's pretty impressive, especially a divisional game in the divisional round. Um, You know, divisional games, you never know what can happen regardless of where they're being played. So really impressive stuff there from the Eagles. Yeah, Eagles also another another quick lead. I think the stat one that they were showing during the game was that they had a 14, a 19, and a 21-0 lead against the Giants, um, which is pretty impressive considering they're a divisional opponent. I think um, 
What really impressed me was the Eagles offensive line um, came out and absolutely dominated from start to finish in that entire game. Um, all three backs, Boston Scott, Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, all did whatever they wanted to in the run game. It didn't matter which one was carrying the rock. They were picking up yards at a, at just chunk by chunk by chunk. Um, the defense looked great. They really, really put Daniel Jones under a lot of pressure and kind of made him really uncomfortable with different looks they gave him in coverage. Um, and again, just the fact they have a healthy D line, the fact that you can rotate through guys, um, just just the a Fletcher Cox, Jordan Davis is now back, Linval Joseph, Dominican Sue, Hargraves. It's like they, they can rotate through what five or six guys in the interior and be really really solid. I always have a fresh body in there, and then. When you get to the edges, you know, Hassan Reddick, Brandon Graham, um, Josh Sweat, three guys who you're always going to have a fresh edge rusher on, on the field, plus other guys they've got kind of in the wings, Derek Barnett being one of them. So um, just just what I think is the best roster in football um, really showed that. Um, I think they're a team that it reflects really good coaching, the fact that they took the the, the bye week and got and got better. Um, they studied really well. I think, you, you know, you see the postgame kind of locker room talk from Brandon Graham and Jalen Hurts kind of breaking it down after the game talking about that was that it was their best week of preparation they had all year and that um you know when they when they prepare like that um they, they can't be beat which I don't know if I entirely disagree with so um you know they're just hard to beat I think you know when you've got two freaks at receiver being AJ Brown and uh, Devontae Smith you have probably the best offensive line in football um two future Hall of Famers on the offensive line and Jason Kelsey and um Lane Johnson you've got an elite tight end and Dallas Goddard, um, and you've got, you know, three solid backs, and then you've got a guy at the helm and Jalen Hurts, who um, I'm going to call him this sort of top five perennial quarterback, but he's really, really good. Um, he's great with his legs. Um, he runs the offense really well. It's it's centered around him and what he's really good at, um, and he's really developed as a passer a lot. I think uh, kind of got overlooked when he was in college, what he was able to do with Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma and develop as, as a passer, and um, he's only gotten better as a passer as he's gotten older in the league um, and shown that he can – he can dice up a defense when he's got time and when he's got, you know, the the pressure off of his shoulders to do a lot of things. So um, making it easy for him. I think my dad texted me during the game like, man, it looks so easy for her. I mean, he's got all the time in the world. He's got all the weapons at his disposal. So, um, you know, it's going to be a great matchup with, again, spoiler with the 49ers next week. Um, going to be a great game and um, really looking forward to seeing, um, you know, kind of just just how that that Eagles offense looks next week against another, a, a great defense in San Francisco. But um, yeah, again, kind of kind of pivot to the Sunday game here, the second game with Cowboys traveling up to San Francisco to play the 49ers. Ultimately the Niners come ahead, come out ahead um, 19 to 12. Um, and what was really not that close of a game. It felt like most of the game, it felt like kind of got into the fourth quarter. And, and again, the Niners kind of pulled ahead and, and Dallas scored late, got a stop late. And then, Obviously, the epic failure of a last play, maybe the worst final play I've ever seen in a game um, with a Zeke lining up at center was just comical. Um, but, uh, you know, what can you say about the defense? I mean, they, they looked great. You can't say enough good things about from top to bottom with Eric Armstead and Nick Bosa up front to probably the best linebacker duo in the league in Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, and then you get the secondary where Traverius Ward's been maybe one of the best offseason signings in the whole league. Jimmy Ward, who they signed in, tra- in training camp, um, you know, replaces an injury, and he's played really well. Um, Talano Hufanga, uh, a late-round steal last year, has been awesome for them this year as, as a second-year guy. Um, and just kind of across the board, that secondary is really playing well together. I think a lot of chemistry in the back end there. Um, 
and they absolutely shut down Dak and the Cowboys. Um, a, lot, a lot of field goals kicked in this game, but again, ultimately it's the weapons of the 49ers that kind of prevail offensively for, for them. So um, making it easy for Brock and um, going to be interesting to see Brock have to go up, leave the Pacific time zone for the first time as an NFL starter and go into a hostile environment like like the he's going to be in the link next week for his first um, road start. Yeah, it was definitely crazy, uh, you know, seeing a guy like Brock Purdy already, you know, 6-0 and in the regular season and 2-0 and in the playoffs. Cowboys and Niners, um, you know, for the second straight year, the Cowboys get eliminated by the 49ers. Um, however, this time it was in Santa Clara and not Dallas or Arlington. Um, but, yeah, I thought the Cowboys' defense honestly played well. You know, I don't think if you're Brock Purdy, you could ask to be – placed into a better system uh, anywhere across the league you know comparing weapons and then coaching expertise and stuff like that uh, the system is perfect for him uh, he's played great behind it um, and it's been a really impressive story uh, to see what he's done to this point obviously like you said I think the story was mainly the 49ers defense uh, two interceptions and even though uh, the Niners muffed a punt and gave the Cowboys prime position uh, the defense still played really well uh, throughout the course of the game, as they have most of the season. But, yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, you know, we saw Tony Pollard get carted off. I don't know what his official status was. And then we saw, you know, Zeke had to kind of take over. And with his whole contract deal, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to him this offseason, uh, if he does land somewhere else and what the contracts are, what the contract is. Um, but, yeah, I mean, 19 to 12, I thought it was going to be Scorigami, uh, first ever unique score in NFL history, um, if you don't know what that is. And I thought overall it was kind of a lame game. It was kind of out of the four games this weekend. I don't, I mean, obviously the Eagles winning 38 to 7 uh, was pretty one sided, but in terms of this game, it was just kind of boring. It really wasn't one sided, it seemed like. It just seemed like neither team was really doing anything. It was like the early stages of the Bucks Cowboys game last weekend where no one wanted to like take over. And do anything. Um, but yeah, I mean, Brett Maher, the kicker for the Cowboys, you know, struggling in warm ups. He had extra point blocked, which was definitely missing if it wasn't blocked. But he did come out and hit a couple field goals. One was a chip shot and one was like 40 something. So I guess he got back on track a little bit there. Still going to be interesting to see how they uh, handle that position in the offseason. But yeah, I mean, the Niners were supposed to win this game. They were at home, they have a good crowd. And they have all the tools to, you know, win the Super Bowl. So it should make for a really fun conference championship game, uh, NFC side. When they travel to Philly, like you said, you know, Philly fared by two and a half right now. It's a pretty good line. You're going to see tight lines here uh, for the conference championship games. That game will be the early one. Uh, it'll be Sunday at 2 p.m. on Fox. And I don't know if, I mean, if I had to pick a winner, I'm going to say right now, maybe. I think I'm going with Eagles for the NFC. AFC, I think, is really a toss-up. You know, Patrick Mahomes hasn't beat the Bengals yet, and the Bengals look really good. So might have to go with the Bengals. Um, but, yeah, I'll just pick winners for these. I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to, you know, make a Super Bowl prediction until we get there after next week. But, yeah, um, I'll let you give your predictions, and then we'll head into the uh, all the dates for the offseason. Yeah, like I said, I think um, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I think um, – the display from Andy Reid with the offense really not missing a beat, the offensive line taking over the way they did. Again, not the best defensive front in the league, but a 
talent, a young, talented defensive front in, in, in Jacksonville that was, frankly, peaking right about now. I mean, two back-to-back games um, coming against Tennessee and, and Los Angeles where they really dominated the run game. I mean, it really against both teams. And, um, you know, the fact that the offensive line took over the way they did, put the game on their back um, and went to work, really was going to be the difference for me in this one. Um, I think Pat is going to be healthy enough to kind of get it done and, and do what he needs to do. Um, but I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, not whatever I think it's going to be where it's, you know, Mahomes versus Burrow going shot for shot. I think it's going to be a low-scoring defensive matchup that I think the Chiefs ultimately prevail in. Um, but, again, I think it's going to be a great game. And then um, Niners-Eagles, man, it's hard to pick against this Eagles team. Um, again, it's like death by a thousand cuts the way they run their offense, whether it's, um, you know, 12 cuts down the field or it's one big gash, uh, you know, an A.J. An AJ Brown shot or – the Devontae Smith shot or, you know, RPO that Jalen breaks the tackle and takes it to the house or whatever it may be. This team can beat you in so many different unique ways that I think it's really, really difficult to look at the Eagles in the 49ers matchup and go, man, I, I got to pick the Niners. I think Brock Purdy making his first NFL start, first of all, outside of the Pacific time zone is is, is huge. Um, and then going to a, maybe the, one of the most hostile environments in all of football uh, in Philadelphia, you know, granted it's an, it's an afternoon game, but still, um, the link is going to be rocking in a conference championship game. Um, the way this Eagles team's playing, just just the energy around the team right now. I, I don't know if the Eagles are going to lose. Um, again, it should be a good game. Um, I think I think the matchup you're going to have to look at is the is going to be how does the Niners' offensive line handle the multiple fronts that that Philadelphia can run, and then the fresh bodies they're going to have on every single big play, and how does a Brock Purdy handle handle what ultimately is going to be the most pressure he's seen. All year, I know the Dallas defense was good, but uh, and they made him pretty uncomfortable, and they really couldn't convert down in the red zone. A lot of field goals kicked, obviously 19 points, um, you know, touchdown and, and set in four field goals. But um, you know, got to be able to can't go field goal for touchdown if you're the, the 49ers, and um, got to make it easy for Brock this week. But again, I'm, t- I'm taking the Eagles. Um, you want to pick point spreads? I guess I'll take KC plus one and Philly minus two and a half. You're just picking winners for the most part on those spreads, but um. Yeah, should be two great games. Really looking forward to the NFC matchup for sure. Um, really been the two clear-cut best teams in the NFC. Uh, for the most part, all year, I think, uh, once the Niners kind of went on their run, um, it was pretty clear that they were the second-best team in the NFC. So should be a great game there as well as the Bengals and Chiefs game. But uh, we'll get to the important NFL offseason dates. Um, let's see, we've got 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, roughly 14 or 15 dates here. Um, I'll just go 2 and 2, I think, we'll kind of – name our two and then we can let the other one have a couple couple seconds to talk about it i think it's probably the easiest way for us to do this so um first date we've got january 28th coming up this what is that a saturday is the nflpa collegiate bowl in pasadena california and then on feb 2 is the east west shrine bowl in las vegas nevada um really looking forward to the east west shrine bowl a couple of big names there to look at um zay flowers is a big one that's getting a lot a lot of hype right now um i will say I was on the Zay Flowers hype train before it took it departed the station. Might be the might might have been the conductor on the train. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but no, really excited to see him. A couple other you know bigger name guys in the Shrine Bowl with a loaded Senior Bowl roster this year, um, which we'll get to right here in a second. Um, the East West Shrine Bowl's got a lot of talent this year, a little more than usual. Um, should be a great game. Again, a big one for scouting. Obviously not as big as the Senior Bowl, kind of coming back to back. But again, um, should be really good. Really exciting for um, you know draft heads around the time around this time this year. Um, so yeah, Feb two. Look forward to that one. And then um, 
got a couple of dates here with the Senior Bowl coming up as well. Yeah, most definitely. I'm excited for uh, the Shrine Bowl. I think, you know, it's kind of like the second tier bowl, if you will, uh, behind the Senior Bowl. Obviously, only seniors can be at. Um, and I think they normally snag most of the, you know, highly touted guys. It's weird. Um, you know, I think overall this year, the Senior Bowl roster is more balanced. I don't think there's any, like, dominant position like we've seen in years past. Obviously, there's a couple of stars there, you know, at certain positions, but I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, right right before the Shrine Bowl on January 31st, the Senior Bowl practice begins in Mobile, Alabama, which is on the south coast. I guess it's the only coast, but um, yeah, that, that should be fun to watch. You know, I always follow along pretty heavily every year, um, you know, with the Senior Bowl and stuff like that. And then, you know, they have four days of practice, and the fifth day they're there uh, on February 4th is the game itself. Uh, I forget what stadium it's played at. Um, somewhere it's in Mobile, it's I don't South know. Plays. Oh, okay. And I'm just looking forward to practice mainly. I think most people that follow it want to see, you know, one-on-ones or whatever it may be for the certain positions they're looking at. Um, you know, the game is kind of – it's competitive, but it's kind of like the Pro Bowl where it's like, you just get a few plays in and then you're kind of good. It's like you don't need this isn't a full out game. You have a year plus of tape that is the reason you're in Mobile. So don't go out in this one game. Uh, go hard and practice. You know, they don't, they say don't be a practice hero. But this is the one exception where, you, you know, you got to go all out and practice, put it on film because everything's on film. All the scouts are there um, and they definitely have a much closer look in practice than they will for the game. So I'm looking forward to that. You know, right around the corner here in a week and a half, two weeks is kind of the first thing of the offseason that I look forward to. You know, there's a lot on the uh, on the slate for the offseason, but this is kind of what kicks it off for me. Yeah, I'm, I love the Senior Bowl. I think it's a really good opportunity to see, um, you know, a great example is going to be Tank Dell, um, a guy that we both talked about and like a lot out of Houston. Going to get a chance to go up against some really solid corners, um, you know, better better than the competition you saw in the American Athletic Conference. Um, you know, a couple of really big names. Top 10 names really being Devon Witherspoon, Tyree Wilson. Obviously, Tyree not going to be participating in practice in the game, but going to be there for the meetings. I'm going to get to see him. I think what the unique aspect here is um, some of these guys are true seniors. Some of these guys are COVID year seniors or fifth years like Tyree. So I'm um, going to be interested to see kind of how he handles a leadership role, I think, there um, again. But like you said, not an overwhelmingly like one group's really better really good, or, or much better than the next group or whatever. Um, but I think every year you see a really strong, really strong D-line group. Obviously, Andre Carter from Army, um, Isaiah Foskey from Notre Dame, um, obviously Tyree Wilson, some big names there. And then along the defensive line as well, uh, Sigaika from Baylor is going to be a big name there. And then obviously Devon Witherspoon kind of anchoring that DB group. Um, but again, it's going to be a really solid week. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, again, a chance to see um, the best of the best in terms of seniors compete against one another and really get a chance to kind of, you know, for guys who go to smaller schools, um, get a chance to kind of display their skills against elite comp elite competition that they don't always get to see. Um, you know, even, even every week within your, within your conference, I mean, um, you know, you look at guys like, you know, tight ends who they're in the pack 12, you're not really going to see elite players every week or tackles and, you know, in the, in the pack 12 or the big 12 or the ACC, um, even, you know, name of positions. There's just, sometimes you just don't get great conference schedules. Um, so that's a chance for these guys to ball out. 
Um, it's also a great chance for them to get to get with an NFL staff in a meeting room um, and kind of show what they have between the years, which I think is, I think for NFL teams, obviously the on-field workouts are important, but like I know for the Chargers specifically, Tom Telesco loves the senior bowl because he gets to go there and have his guys go and, and, and meet with these guys one-on-one and kind of pick their brains a little bit before the combine. Um, it talked to them a little bit, interview them. So it's just, it, it's another way for these, these seniors kind of get their names out there again. Um, don't always expect every, big name guy to play in the game per se. Like, I don't know if Devon Witherspoon is going to play in the senior bowl itself, but going to be a big week for practice for him. Um, but yeah, usually always going to be a couple winners kind of looking to see who kind of comes ahead and be like, man, this guy's a huge name. Like last year, Chris, Christian Watson came out of the senior bowl with late first round hype, which ultimately turned into early second round hype. And that's what he where ended up being picked. But a guy really wasn't being talked about um, within the first few days of the draft ended up being a high second round pick. So um you know, just because it's not the underclassmen doesn't mean there's not always a ton of talent here. So we're looking forward to that. Um, but kind of getting into our next couple dates here, we've got the Pro Bowl games on Feb 5, just after the Senior Bowl. Then we've obviously got the Super Bowl on Feb 12 at 5.30 on Fox in Arizona. Um, Pro Bowl games should be interesting, I guess would be my word. Um, I don't really know what, uh, what that's going to look like. It's obviously new this year, what they're doing. I like that they're changing it up. The game was always super lame. And it was always, you know, you'd watch it for a few minutes. But this is boring. What else is on TV? So um, and then obviously the Super Bowl, um, you know, I guess if we take our two projected matchups, would be Eagles, Bengals or Eagles, Chiefs. Obviously, that could both both those could change. But um, looking forward to the Super Bowl. Commercials are always great. I mean, let's be honest. As football fans, we love football. But again, I like entertainment as well. So commercials are usually pretty good. Um, but I think once you get to the end of the Super Bowl, I think every team kind of has a fresh slate. And um 31 of 32 teams have officially gone home sad and their fans have gone home sad. Even though you get to the Super Bowl, obviously you get there, you know, win is always upsetting. Um, but the offseason really does kick off from that point. I think for the league, for teams, um, most teams have already kind of been in the offseason phase. But once kind of the whole league gets into the offseason, wins when team, I think teams really start hitting the ground running um, kind of on their offseason plans. I know that Chargers front office kind of took is going to take a couple weeks off. And after their press conferences, uh, last or this past week, um, I guess this last week, as in before the divisional round playoff games, um, they're going to take a couple of weeks, just kind of take some time off and kind of refresh a little bit. Obviously, it's a long season starting all the way really, really from the draft on for those guys. Um, they're every single day up at the facility working with players. So um, whether it's rookies that are freshly drafted or vets kind of getting back into the facility, um, kind of take a, a, a few weeks off here to get a little refresh on the brain. But again, um, two big dates there with obviously the Pro Bowl and Super Bowl. Yeah, two dates uh, that round out the 2022 NFL season. Looking forward to the Pro Bowl. You know, sometimes I like watching it. Uh, I do like the games. I love the dodgeball. I love the obstacle course. I love the, you know, acrobatic catch stuff. I like watching all that. Um, as for the game itself, like you said, it isn't great. It isn't too bad. It depends who you want to watch, what team you're rooting for. Uh, kind of just a talent show uh, at that point. You know, no one's really tackling. As for the Super Bowl, uh, on 5.30 at the home of the Arizona Cardinals. That should be fun on February 12th. Uh, really looking forward to that, regardless of what the matchup is. I mean, it's the Super Bowl. You got high-caliber competition most of the time. You have high-caliber commercials, like you said. I'm just looking forward to it, um, you know, rounding out another season, and then we can fully fully shift into draft season, uh, free agent season, and stuff like that. Uh, but I'll continue on with a couple dates here. So, 
for about a two-week span from February 21st to March 7th. We have the franchise slash transition tag uh, window that opens as kind of, you know, opens on the 21st and it closes on March 7th. So that'll be exciting. A lot of teams with, uh, you know, each team has one tag to place upon a player that's going to become a free agent. Um, looking forward to it. I think the Ravens are one of the top teams where you're kind of looking where where that tag is going to go. Are they going to reach a deal with Lamar? Are they going to have a tag on Lamar until they get a deal? Or are they not going to elect to use the tag? Um, you know, there's a few other teams out there that are going to use the tag. Normally about only half the teams do. Um, some use it more than others, but nonetheless, um, an exciting time there. Normally, the tags don't aren't placed until the last couple of days. So look for March 5th, 6th, 7th as the dates where tags are going to be placed upon um, upcoming free agents. And then a really big date in the offseason, March 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th. Four straight days all on NFL Network. We have the NFL Scouting Combine. Kicks off on the 3rd. Um, you know, all the players... You know, all pretty much all draftable players go to that at Lucas Oil Stadium, home of the Indianapolis Colts in Indiana. Looking forward to seeing that, too. Uh, you know, it's always fun watching, you know, the drills with corners and receivers. You know how fluid they are. Their hands, uh, obviously, 40s are a huge thing. Probably my favorite thing are the 40s just from an entertainment standpoint, not about, you know, draft stock. While it does have a big impact on some guys, I don't think overall it's the most impactful thing, I think. You know, for the guys in the trenches, O-line, D-line, you look at bench and arm length and stuff like that, uh, you know, me- more measurables than you do on-field workouts. So that's kind of a thing that you have to see in games, at, whereas the receivers, quarterbacks, corners, you know, all those DBs can kind of help their stock a little more or hurt it a little more uh, with the on-field workouts and stuff like that. So that should be fun to watch. But, yeah, um, the tag window and then the combine, two big dates in the offseason. I know we don't have anybody we tag. Um, obviously, the only guy I can think of would be like Drew Tranquil, but again, I don't think they'd drop twenty million on him. Um, as good of a player as he was this year, twenty million is a lot. Do the Ravens have anybody? I don't think they do off the top of my head. Anyone other than Lamar they use the tag on? I don't. I mean, Marcus ain't gonna get an eighteen million dollar tag. I don't think, right? Yeah, it would be Marcus, but other than that, it'd be Lamar, and it would be about forty five mil. So it'd be confusing. Uh, yeah. To me, if they do end up putting the tag on Lamar, just because they have 41.6 in cap right now, and if you do, you know, put the tag on Lamar, it's 45 mil for one year, and it's, you know, you can't structure that any differently. So, yeah, no, I just, I just didn't know if, uh, if you guys, I, I didn't think so. Again, Marcus ain't getting the tag, so, um, but I was just curious. Um, but yeah, franchise tag, it, it's a big one because it leads into free agency. Um, which is what the tag one is the seventh. So a week later, six days later, um, we get into free agency. So it's just, it's, it's a big window. Again, last year we had a lot of guys tagged. I felt like more than normal. Um, usually you see it maybe like a third of the league actually end up using the tag and have guys play on it. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a, a precursor for like, Hey, what are the big names that are going to be available in the freight and free agency? And, um, or, or, you know, what are the guys who, if they do get tagged, like that's, Sometimes those guys want trades if they can't get deals. Um, you know, I mean, the whole Jesse Bates thing, he gets tagged last year and uh, ultimately holds out. until so they even get a deal. They didn't get a deal done, did they? Yeah, so I think, um, again, it's a precursor for not only for agency, but again, who can maybe get traded and who holds out and then eventually who plays, just plays the year and then doesn't come back. So, um, 
you know, definitely going to be interesting to see who does and doesn't get tagged. Frankly, I have not done any research on who's going to get tagged. Um, there are going to be a couple surprises. Like Dalton Schultz was a surprise tag last year. Great at the tight end isn't super expensive, but I was a little surprised he got the tag. So uh, we'll see kind of who gets the tag, who doesn't. Um, and then obviously the combine beginning. Uh, you, pre- you hit the nail pretty score on the head. Um, you know, the on-field drills you're not really worried about. I think teams more worry about those from like an inside the, inside the front office perspective of like, hey, we don't like this guy because he didn't, you know, sink his hips well or we don't think he's super athletic in these movements or whatever. But the big one is going to be the measurables, um, you know, for the fan experience, obviously the 40 yard dash. And then, um, the, I mean, the most important thing here for the NFL teams is um, first and foremost is always going to be um, the meetings with the players. I mean, they get to interview these guys. Um, I mean, the players, I mean, yeah, they want to run a good 40 and they want to you know, have a good three cone and a shuttle and they want to run, you know, have a good bench press and a good vert and all that. and want to do their drills well. But again, the biggest thing for these guys where they make their most money is in the meeting room with these teams um, and the subsequent meetings after that one-on-one meetings at, at their own facilities, um, you know, yada, yada, yada. I think a great story that I know really well um, is the Kenneth Murray story with the Chargers. Uh, he shot way up their board uh, at, during the common when they got to meet with him one-on-one. Really liked the person that he was. They thought, you know, the love was between the ears. Obviously, the pick hasn't really worked out for him. Um, but again, just an example of, of te- way teams that way, the way – teams there we go fall in love with players um between the ears at the combine and then um, they get them back into the building for their own one-on-one interviews and kind of workouts which all stems from the combine um and then kind of plug out playing off the combine our next two dates um we've got pro days begin on march 7th i don't know when like what certain schools pro days are yet that's something i haven't really looked into um but again pro days can begin on march 7th again this kind of stems from combines some guys will opt to not do a pro day and just kind of run routes or throw balls or whatever, do drills. Um, they won't run the 40. They won't bench again. They won't jump again. Um, some guys will if they don't like their 40 time at the combine, and then they can kind of improve it in the short span between the combine and their pro day. Um, but, again, it's just, it, it, the, more, the big thing, it's another opportunity for, to, for these coaches to see these guys. And the biggest thing is where they're comfortable, right? I mean, you get a kid who, you know, plays it. For example, Texas Tech. He's in Lubbock for, you know, three or four years. Um, goes up to Indianapolis, Lucas Oil, to a stadium he's never been at, a city he's never been at maybe. Um, maybe doesn't perform well just because of the pressure there. He's back home in Lubbock where he's comfortable. Um, maybe, he obviously going to perform a lot better there. So um, just a chance for them to get to see guys a little more relaxed, a little more themselves, and then, again, meet with them, kind of get between the ears, see what's going on there. And then um, our second favorite date on this list, uh, March 13th, 11 a.m., is when teams can start negotiating with free agents. Um a deal is going to be agreed upon. They cannot be signed yet until two days later, but they can begin uh, negotiating with free agents. Obviously, the wave kind of hits. You've got all the the saved tweets from all the, you know, the tampering that, that really does go on. Um, and they all kind of hit hit the, hit twi- the Twitter sphere at 11 a.m. Central, um, noon Eastern on, on March 13th. Um, so, again, it's going to be, I think, a frenzy this year. Obviously, you know, there's going to be some cuts that we don't see coming. There's going to be some big spenders we don't see coming. I think uh, the Jaguars have kind of changed the way that teams are going to approach for agency. When you looked at the Christian Kirk deal, the Zay Jones deal, a couple of their deals they signed, you go, man, they're way overpaid, and well, it paid off. Their deal, those deals paid off for them. So a lot of teams with a lot of cap space. It's going to be interesting to see you know, what the, t- the Lamar Jackson timeline is at that point, the Aaron Rodgers timeline, um, obviously Derek Carr, Tom Brady, guys who were – likely going to be elsewhere, quarterback destinations. So just to be interesting to see kind of the player movement up to that point. And then again, the kind of just the massive wave um, that kind of hits for the whole two days leading up to March 15th. 
Yeah, it's the best part of the offseason uh, until the draft. That really caps off, you know, the first I, – I, th- I always look at the offseason into two phases. You have, like, the eventful phase, and then you have, like, the team phase where you have rookie minicamp and minicamp OTAs, training camp, leading up to uh, preseason, and then obviously getting into the season. But this first half of the offseason that we're talking about that's capped off by the draft, I think this might be my favorite part. Um I mean, it's the start of the new league year. It's, you know, like you said, March 13th at 11 a.m. is when guys can sign and is when you're going to see most guys agree to terms on deals. And then March 15th at 3 p.m., uh, the year begins. They can officially sign their deals, uh, you know, go to wherever they're going to sign with, put pen to paper, uh, announce it, and, you know, start showing up, start working out when it's allowed. But Really looking forward to it. Uh, I think, you know, it might not be as crazy as last year, just with all, you know, certain trades, with the Russ trade, with the Rodgers deal, with the Russ deal, um, all that kind of stuff. I don't know if we're going to see that to that caliber this year. Obviously, a few big-name guys. But to that caliber, I don't know. Nonetheless, I think it's going to be exciting to see how it turns out. And then, you know, we have March 26th, 27th, 28th, 29th, you know, a couple weeks after the new league year begins, and they have the annual league meeting uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. That should be interesting to see what comes out of that. You know, normally there that is where you see some, you know, rule changes that are going to be implemented for the new season. You know, looking back and recapping the 2022 season, seeing if they want to change anything, um, you know, implement anything a little more or less. So that should be interesting to see what comes out of that. Uh, but yeah, nonetheless. I'm looking forward to March 13th at 11 a.m. Uh, is basically when it kicks off. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna make a little hot take here from the cold seat. Um, that annual league meeting in Phoenix, they're going to officially shift to neutral site conference games, neutral site conference championship games every single year, both conferences. The NFL is gonna make so much money doing that. And I think I I would hate it. I'd absolutely hate it. But I think we can book it. That's going to happen. The NFL clearly wants it to happen, um, and I think we're going to see it. So uh, that's just kind of my my initial hot take there. But, again, I'll get into the next two dates. Uh, this first one being my favorite and the most important, in my opinion, um, of the entire offseason. April 27th to April 29th, I call it Christmas in April. The NFL draft kicks off. Um, Kansas City, Missouri this year. I won't lie. I was at work today on my break. And I did look at how long the drive to Kansas City is. It's 10 hours. Got to check my calendar. But that said, I might consider making the trip to KC this year. I don't know. It obviously starts on a Thursday. But if I can get Friday off and kind of head up there, I might I might pull the trigger on it. Because never been to the draft. I believe it's on the East Coast next year. So I probably couldn't go. And then obviously the year after that, hopefully we'll both have you know jobs that we can't just get away from. You know, just like that weekend school. So um, maybe want to try and go this year again. Uh, but again, it's just the draft is really exciting time. I think it's it gives every single team in the league uh, hope, unless you're the Rams, who simply never have first round picks. I think it's just against the league rules at this point. Um, Dolphins fans, and you know, tampering and all that stuff, they don't have a pick either. But for most NFL teams, uh, this is a new window of hope and excitement for the next season. Um, I think, especially for the, the both of us, I think it's a really exciting time. Um, I think you see a lot of your scouting kind of come into fruition and, and kind of the hard work payoff when you see a guy that you've been high on all year ago earlier than expected, or you see a guy that maybe you weren't as high on as the media and you go, man, the, the NFL teams felt the same way that I did. Or sometimes you get humbled and you have a take that 
you know, a guy that's not that good, not going to go very high in the NFL goes and picks him at, you know, top 10 picks. So, um, but it's really cool to see a lot of the stuff come to fruition. You see the guys you watched on tape, um, you know, the guys you watched on, on YouTube or whatever all year, um, walking across the stage. Um, just a cool moment for those guys as well. I mean, they, you know, dreams coming true on that night. But again, um, for the big, for big one for the fans, it's, um, you know, hope going to the new season with a young guy coming and that could be, you know, every one of these guys from pick one to pick, what is it? How many picks are in this year's draft? Do we know? Well, I guess we don't know with comp, with comp picks. But Around like, 270. Yeah, roughly 270. I was going to say 260, 270. But, you know, from one, from the first pick to Mr. Irrelevant, any one of those guys could be a Hall of Famer, the GOAT. I mean, obviously your higher hit rate in the first round, but, I mean, Tom Brady, again, is the picture-perfect story of guy who was a late pick and turns out to be the GOAT. I mean, Brock Purdy, look at Brock Purdy this year, Mr. Irrelevant, and he's 8-0 right now. So, um like I said, a lot of hope for new team for new hope for teams going into the season. And then um, sometime in May, don't have a hard date yet, but in May 2023, we'll get the NFL season schedule release on NFL Network. I know we're both looking forward to it. I think we both kind of want to try and get out to the Ravens Chargers game in Los Angeles and SoFi at that you know, awesome venue. Um, but it's just an exciting time to kind of get to put the puzzle pieces together and see, um, you know, oh, you know, when am my team? When's my team playing primetime? What are the good matchups? What are the lo- the local matchups I can get to? Um, you know, get just kind of looking forward to big games on the radar and on the calendar. So um, kind of see who you get to kick off the season with, that kind of thing. So, um, again, that kind of wraps up our dates. But obviously I'll let you get your thoughts in on these two. Um, big one being the draft, obviously. But um, a lot of dates to look forward to here. Um, Brett and I always joke, like, it's going to get real slow here pretty soon once kind of f- football is actually over. Um, in between now and free agency, I think – the long period really is from like March 20th to April 27th is that long period because frequency usually cools off within a week. Um, and you get that whole month, month to five week period of just waiting for the draft to get there. But again, should be exciting. Hopefully we have enough content kind of just for the fan to kind of keep entertained throughout the off season. But again, uh, we're looking forward to getting this thing kicked off here with the senior bowl pretty soon. No doubt. Um, start with the schedule release first so I can round it out with the draft. Um, yeah, schedule release, it's always like between May 12th and 15th, it seems like. It's always on NFL Network. Looking forward to it, though. Uh, they always do exclusive interviews, and you get to see, like you said, all the teams already know who they're playing at home and who they're playing on the road. Uh, but you want to find out you know, what weeks you're playing and match it with your schedule and just see how it works out. It'd be fun. It'd be fun definitely to go to L.A. and check it out. And you know, I've never been to California other than the San Fran Airport. So it'd be fun to check out that area, definitely the stadium, um, and obviously see our two teams play each other. But that, when that comes out, we'll definitely talk about it in depth, you know, like we did last year, and talk about our favorite games, our favorite schedules, you know, easiest, you know, all the strength of schedules and stuff like that. But yeah, rounding it out with uh, my take on the draft, I think it's going to be a really fun draft. You know, you say that every year, but I think this year more so because we have some quarterbacks in this draft, but it's not a great class. But at the same time, we have, you know, deep classes, you know, the corner, you know, D-line is really good, as it seems like it normally is. It's just going to be fun. You know, there's really good receivers overall, a pretty good class. You know, there's some running backs. So it's it's pretty well-rounded class, honestly. It might not be, you know, one of the best class in recent memory, but it's definitely more well-rounded, I believe, where it's not as top-heavy at one or two positions. Um, did look it up, like you said. Um, you know, Kansas City this year 
It's in Detroit next year. So if we didn't go this year, it'd be at least two years, uh, at least 2025. What I didn't realize is that in 2018, when the Ravens drafted Lamar and had one of the, maybe probably the Ravens' best draft ever, it was in Arlington. So I missed out on that opportunity there, um, you know, on seeing a legendary draft for my team. But, you know, it'd always be fun to go to the draft. I've always thought about going and it'd be really fun. Obviously, I don't know if it'll be able to come to fruition at least in 2023. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I know I said free agency was kind of my favorite part of the first phase of the offseason. Just for all the, you know, all the stuff that goes down, all the swapping places. But in terms of my team, uh, you know, it's always the draft. You're reloading normally with some quality guys from what I think is one of the top front offices in the NFL and the Ravens. And normally they always nail a few picks at least. So it'll be fun to see, you know, where they go and what directions and when they end up picking. You know, they don't have a second round pick this year um, because they traded it for Roquan Smith, who they signed to a long-term deal. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with their picks. They only have five picks, which is, you know, not ideal for, you know, Eric DaCosta, the general manager who likes to have a lot of draft picks. Um, obviously less cap going to the draft with less picks. So it gives them a little more free agency or flexibility, um, you know, to make deals and sign guys and restructure and free agency. So that'll be exciting. That's why I'm probably leaning a little bit towards free agency this year, just because of the Ravens scenario with less picks and more cap space. But, Nonetheless, free agency draft, um, the highlight of the offseason until really training camp. Um, love it every year. It always uh, impresses and, you know, fulfills my desire for NFL content. Um, but, yeah, really looking forward to it, regardless of where it's hosted. Uh, it's always electric, always, you know, you always get the booze for Goodell. And it's just always fun to watch and see who walks the stage in what order. So, I think that'll pretty much wrap up today's episode a little bit shorter. Uh, you know, pretty much spent the whole time on the NFL other than the NBA trade and the that the Angels owner is going to, um, you know, keep the team and not sell. So that's going to wrap up episode, what is that, 35? 35, yes, episode sir. Episode 35 today. And, yeah, I think that's it. Uh, if you didn't listen to the episode that came out on Friday, we have offensive tackle rankings coming out this Friday um, to continue our – you know, Friday positional rankings for the 2023 NFL draft in KC. Um, that'll be the third edition. And I think we have nine editions. So make sure to tune in a lot of info, a lot of insight being dropped there. So um, appreciate the support. Follow us on cold at cold seat podcast on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated on when the episodes drop and some other news. And we will see y'all in a few days. See you guys Friday.